Welcome to the 19.9 Podcast. I'm Aaron Meyer. My co-host is Josh Barnett, one of the owners of 19.9. As a duo, we are the High Volume Shooters, or HVS. You can find our blog under HVS on the 19.9 website, along with retro college apparel connected to the storied history of some of the most memorable college teams of all time. Let's get started with Fish. Welcome back. On today's podcast, we'll talk about our basketball origin stories, lay down the groundwork for why we're doing this podcast, and talk about one of the new releases from 1999. What's going on, Josh? What's up, sir? Hey, let's get started today with just talking about why are we doing this. Yeah, so good good question to start off with, and, and welcome everybody to uh, the High Volume Shooters Podcast by 19.9, and we just thought that we could connect with our customers a little bit better, connect with our blog audience a little bit better. Um, if we're doing something that's not just writing, then we can kind of hop on here and give some give some takes and, and relive some games and talk a little bit about the game, talk a little bit about ourselves, talk a little bit about 19.9. Uh, provide a little behind the scenes with what we got going on with 99, how we connect the story to our product, um, and just kind of talk all things basketball. And we thought it would be easy uh, if we could just hop on here and do it. What we found out is it's a little bit harder than we think. Um, we screwed up a couple intros a few times, but that's been that's been kind of fun too and funny. So stick with us while we grow. We'll figure it out. We'll get better at this thing and uh, we'll keep it moving here um, as we go because we have these conversations, you know, Aaron, we have these conversations yeah. offline all the time. So there's no sense in keeping them offline if we can jump on here together and, and, and just talk and then push that out to the 99 following. Yeah, for me, I've been a podcast uh, fanatic since the format came out. I think that's initially what I wanted to do and we started writing just because the podcast format was a little bit more intimidating to do. Uh, but it connects directly with, with what you guys do at 19.9 and that storytelling. And I think the oldest form of human communication is just telling stories to one another. For me, basketball is a passion of mine. And so this seems like a natural extension of that telling stories and stories about basketball. You can be honest with the people, Aaron. You don't have to sugarcoat it. The reason we haven't done a podcast yet is because I was terrified to do a podcast. <laughs> How many times did I ask you? I, I, literally probably hundreds of times like, hey, we should really do a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, no, we shouldn't. Let's just keep typing shit and sending it out instead because I don't like the sound of my own voice. Well, I have no equipment for a podcast. I, I, like, I literally thought a podcast was like a Hollywood production. I'm not yeah. joking. And then because I was, you were always the podcast guy. I was never the podcast guy. And then I finally took a trip to Michigan where I was in the car for 10 and a half hours by myself. And, and I sent you a text if you remember that. Yeah, and yeah. I said, okay, man, here's the audition for podcast. Give me a couple good ones that you like to listen to. And I'll listen to them. And I was blown away at the low production quality <laughs> of some of these popular blogs or uh, uh, pods. 
And I would, I, if you remember, I called you on that trip, maybe two and a half hours in, like, yeah, man, we can do it. We can do this. Yeah. We can, we, we can handle this stuff. So we'll, we'll find out right now. Now we'll find out. Yeah. I don't know if anybody will listen, but certainly telling stories through voices is awesome. But yeah, we- no doubt. No doubt. So, so one of the stories that I get, or one of the, the questions I get a lot, um, on the 99 side of things and, and the HBS side of things is, what do your names mean? Uh, so I'll start with 99. I'll break down what 99 means for our customers, and then uh, and then I'll pass it over to you, and you can explain the high volume shooters. And if you leave anything out, I'll jump in on it. That work for you? Perfect. Uh, yeah. So 99. We always get the 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 question. You know, what is 99? What does it stand for? And we always send it right back to our customer and say, like, you know, if you can tell us what it stands for, if you can think about it for a couple minutes, l- let us know, and we'll send you a free shirt. But uh, when we first started the company. It was probably about eight years ago. Um, I think we've been online for maybe six of that, seven of that. And then we kind of curtailed our uh, and and narrowed our focus to college basketball in the last three years, maybe three and a half, something like that. Um, But when we started, the uh, three-point line was 19 feet, nine inches. And we're all a bunch of white dudes are under five foot ten, and we don't really have a presence in the paint. So if you ever play pickup ball with any of us, you knew you would find us roaming around the nineteen foot nine inch mark. We were somewhere out there just waiting for somebody to pass us the ball so we could shoot it. And if we missed, we would wait for somebody to get the rebound, and then we would clap our hands and yell for them to kick it back out so we could shoot it again, which kind of leads into the High volume shooters. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that's a perfect segue. Um, when we started talking about the blog, I think it was still your idea for the high volume shooters. But we just talked about the three point revolution and how we love shooting three pointers. I don't know if it gets a lot more complicated than that. That we just want to shoot a lot of three pointers, as many as possible, and as frequently as possible. That's that analytic shit that you love to talk about. <laughs> That's right. The more, the better. Shoot more threes, win more three. games. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and my kind of take on the high-volume shooters was, and I tell people this, that we'll play pickup ball with twos. Like, listen, I will get a high amount of shots in the air. Like, you don't have to worry about that. I will get a lot up there. I'm not confident enough to call myself a high-volume scorer. But I can morph into that from time to time if the shots are going down. But one thing you can always bank on is those shots are going up. So no matter what, at the end of the day, I can always call myself a high-volume shooter. That's kind of what we got got to, right? That's perfect. <laughs> hey, to go along with that, one of the things I wanted to hear is just your basketball origin story. How did you get hooked on the game, and how did it lead you to where you are with – owning a company related to basketball? Yeah, that's a good question. And one, one we get a lot, and that's part of the fun with being uh, with 99 and starting 99 and doing it is the, the different customers that we hear from and kind of their stories that connect to the products that we launch. And you always, no matter what the launch is, no matter if it's a, a high-profile school like uh, Villanova or if it's a mid-major school like St. Bonaventure, you're always going to connect with the fan base and with the fans. And they always kind of have this crazy story about why they love that team or the players that they love or how the shorts connect. Or this was the first time I watched Villanova or I can remember IU playing in this certain game. 
um, so on and so forth. And I love that because I'm just kind of like an idiot savant when it comes to uh, college basketball, especially especially in the 90s. I just fell in love with the game like mid-80s. You know, I was born in 1980. And uh, my dad and godfather took me to my first IU game when I was uh, six or seven. It was the 87 season, 86, 87 season, the one that IU went on to win. And uh, it was IU Kentucky, and we had seats behind. We had two seats behind the basket, so I got to stay behind the basket. And then my godfather Stan and my my dad Gary, they would rotate because we had one seat that was up in the balcony. So one of them sat with me for the first half, and one of them sat with me to stay behind the basket. And I can just remember uh, a couple takeaways from that game that just blew my mind, and I was pretty much hooked ever since then and it didn't hurt that IU went on to win the national championship that year and we were up in Indy watching that and we were crying when Syracuse takes the lead I think on Howard Trish's free throws and then my dad is pacing the the hotel room he's a nervous wreck but he's trying to stay calm because he's head of the family and he has this undying belief in coach Knight that whatever coach Knight is going to do or say is going to magically make us win this game and he was right. And I just remember like the whole uh, hotel just flooding out of the rooms, like down into the lobby. And it was like its own like national celebra- uh, national championship celebration. And I don't even know if half those people there were from Indiana because they were probably traveling there on business. But they got caught up in the in the Hoosier hysteria of it all. And then we went to Bloomington after that and got to see the team when they came home and listened to him speak and all that stuff in Assembly Hall. And so that made a huge impression on me as a seven-year-old. And uh, and I've just kind of loved the game ever since um, from there. How about yourself? Yeah, it's weird how those dovetail. Um, I grew up till 1987 in Kansas and was mostly into soccer there. It was like the new hot thing, and they had a pro team, which is weird thinking back on now. But – when I moved to Indiana in 1987, I started playing hoops at the little Y League, uh, watching games. And of course, I grew up close to Chicago, so Michael Jordan was an absolute influence on me growing up. It wasn't as much college basketball till later. As I got better in middle school and high school into basketball, I just became obsessed with it. Uh, whoever was was good and then drifted towards Indiana as I ended up going to Indiana uh, for school. Uh, obviously, IU Hoops became a real passion for me. Yeah, so that, it was always interesting because I, I was born and raised here in Evansville. And so growing up in the 80s and then even even the early 90s, um, cable was so much different back then. So the, the amount of teams that you got to see was very limited. Um, I don't remember growing up like in the 80s watching any of the the great 80s Big East games. Um, And I don't know if that was just because they weren't on TV down here or we didn't have that cable package that had ESPN or if my dad just like shielded me from that so he could just funnel me towards the IU and Coach Knight (laughs) camp. But I, I just remember like in the early 90s, um, with ESPN2 and stuff, it just kind of exploded where you got to see all these different teams play. And that's when it really was like, wow. I mean, I remember Iverson versus Marbury, those Ray Allen-UConn teams, uh, all those Syracuse great teams that they had. 
Um, and you could just watch all of those games. And then I remember ESPN2 being on its own special platform. But if you remember cable back then, and this will be crazy for if there's any young people listening, but cable back then would like block channels, but they would scramble them. But so you could go high up into them and you could still hear the audio, but you just couldn't see the picture. The picture was all blurred out. And that's how I watched uh, the Duke Carolina, or I didn't watch anything, but that's how I listened to the Duke Carolina game uh, in 90, what was it, 95, that uh, Jeff Capel hit that half-court shot to send it to double overtime or whatever it was, and Stackhouse does the reverse dunk and all that. Never saw any of that live but listen to every bit of it over a TV where I couldn't see shit. That's amazing. <laughs> I think people were using those scrambled channels for different reasons than watching uh, hoops yeah. at that time. <laughs> no, no, I use them for those too. But I, there were a few times that I used them for basketball as well. <laughs> I like that that's the one that you picked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you left out the part, how did – your origin story then leads you to creating a retro basketball company. Yeah. So, well, that, that's kind of like the, the 99 origin story, um, which, which can get a little long winded, but I'll, I'll try to keep it and cap it in this nutshell. Um, Cause there's a couple influential people in that, that, that really started. And uh, I do at some point want to come back and just do an entire podcast about my, my friend Wes Atterbury um that we uh that that we lost too too young and too soon um and we do a lot of charity work with them in the summer and so next may i'd like to put together like a whole podcast kind of dedicated to west and his memory and what we do at the foundation and things like that um but he has a big part of it because it was his foundation that we started doing the shirts for uh, along with another golf scramble that i would put on for um, just college and high school buddies. So we could all get together once a year and we'd always did it in the last month of, or the last uh, Saturday in July was always the date for it. And, um, it started off real small. And then we, we just, we started the golf scramble on the foundation for Wes and, uh, or in Wes's name to benefit, uh, melanoma people that in the tri-state that are dealing with melanoma. And um, we started doing shirts for both of those those entities, and we kept having people come and approach us saying, like, hey, do you have any leftovers? Uh, my girlfriend stole it, or my wife took mine, or, uh, you know, I, I want to buy one for my kids and my wife, and, you know, I got some friends that don't play golf, but they want the shirt because they love the material and all that stuff. And that's really how 99 started, um, and we kind of took it to – we kind of took it to the college stuff because we, we love college sports and we never really found good shirts with, uh, with college graphics on there, especially for IU. And some of that has changed over the years. You know, there's plenty of companies out there that do the, the t-shirts and stuff. And, and honestly, if we were just doing the t-shirts, we probably still wouldn't be around, um, just because of the competition and, and, uh, you know, what, what all is out there. Yeah. Uh, wouldn't be a company. Had a real shift, a real change. Right. Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't vibe with the college basketball stuff. So we had a meeting in Bloomington, I want to say three years ago. We'll get Aaron Loomer on our podcast here coming up at some point. And he can he can probably be a little more specific on the dates. But we kind of sat down and said, like, OK, listen, with these retro shorts that we have now, all signs are pointing towards us moving towards just college basketball, which is our true profession, because at the time we were carrying 
football shirts and doing IU football shirts, Michigan State football shirts and Purdue football shirts. And you try to keep up with all the different seasons, which is an absolute grind. Um, it's a grind creatively. It's a grind uh, on the manufacturers. It's just, you know, instead of just kind of having blinders on and narrowing it down to what we love, we were trying to do everything. We had a Visit India account, which was tourism for Indianapolis, so on and so forth. And making that change to just being a college basketball company was very natural, um, but it did hurt a little bit because we liked some of the shirts that we had. We liked the Visit India account. We loved the people there. And we had to kind of cut all of that out, but we did it for the reason of being the only college basketball specific brand that's out there that is college basketball uh, all year round, 24-7. And with the shorts, it just made more sense to us. And so that was probably about three years ago, and we've really kind of taken off from that. Um, and uh, and that's opened the doors for a lot of new licensing and stuff that we probably wouldn't have had a shot at if we were just a, a T-shirt company. Yeah. What I love about you guys, just give you as a shout-out, is, again, just to pivot back to the storytelling, is that – attached to each release is something about that team and as a coffee geek a lot of times they talk about like origin stories so they talk about who the farmer was and this is your guys version of that you might even do it better where you tell me about the team and then I get to go back and revisit my own memories and if I had never known about the team. I can still dig in and find interesting things about college basketball and just the history of a sport I love. Yeah, so people people buy the story as much as they buy the product. So people feel such an attachment to these different teams. Um, and it's interesting where those come from. You know, you might – we launched UMass a couple weeks ago, and, you know, you would assume the majority of the orders come from Massachusetts and from that area which they do, but we were also sending stuff um, to California, to Seattle, um, to the West Coast. So, like, it's funny to see how all these fans uh, are kind of displaced across the country. Um, and, and when you get certain orders for certain teams going to certain uh, geography or, or geographical locations, you're always just kind of puzzled about, like, how did a UMass fan end up in Seattle? And then what you, you start to find out as you talk to your customers more is they might not be, they probably didn't graduate from UMass, but they probably, they, what they did was they love Marcus Camby or they love that Cal team and they love the story and the refuse to lose and all that stuff. And so they still feel a connection to them, even though they're, they're not really tied to them, if that makes sense. And I'm like that in a lot of ways too. Like, I can't wait to wear all the stuff that we, we make because I just love all of the stories and I remember those eras in that time for the most part um, that we do. So, like, I geek out on that stuff too. Oh, I know you love the design stuff too. But you, you mentioned Mo UMass, and that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. We did an article about the Kentucky UMass game, and I just want to talk a little bit about that team as we sort of wrap up here. Why UMass? How did you – guys pick them out and then just your thoughts on that game we can talk a little bit about that that game specifically yeah so UMass has always been on the list the the, the infamous list it, you know I get customers all the time hitting us up on dms or emailing us or through social media or whatever asking you know hey why don't you have Auburn or how about go get Michigan or this team or that team and I always say like they're on the list 
Um, and I'll never know if they even believe me or not, but they like, we legitimately have a list and we want to have all of these schools. Um, licensing is not an exact science. It's tough. Sometimes, sometimes it takes a while. We can get a license in two weeks. We could get a license in two years. It really just doesn't matter. So we've had UMass on the, uh, on the map for a while because of the Camby team, that 96 team that made the national championship. Mm. And then, um, also some of that success they had in the nineties. And then obviously, they had Dr. J, too, an all-time great, uh, that we're going to do some stuff for here coming up during the season, which, you which UMass about. fans can look forward to. You forget about Dr. J. When you said that the last time we made an attempt at this, I was like, oh, yeah, Dr. J was on UMass. That's an amazing, <laughs> like, random person to be on UMass. And you would be amazed at how, how hard it is to find pictures of some of this stuff, too, especially the mid-'90s team, like – it's not like impossible to find Carrie Kittle's pictures in those Villanova shorts that we launched, but it is like impossible to find great high quality pictures of Carrie Kittle's. And you sit there and you think if you were born and, and we're really close in age, we're like a year or two apart. Like it's crazy to me in this time, this day and age where everybody has video, you know, the, the video stuff and the, the picture stuff on their phones. Um, how little is actually out there. So in the research stuff, it can get really frustrating trying to find Google images. But then when you go back to the era, it's even harder. Yeah. So it's hard enough finding the mid-90s. You go back to the 70s, and it's damn near impossible. So there's like five pictures of Dr. J as a, a, a UMass Minuteman uh, in existence that's out there, you know, for us. Yeah. Um, so that's always like tough and that's, that's what makes it easy, kind of easy to forget. But going back to your original question about why we picked UMass is I just, I love that team. I thought that team was amazing the way they burst on the scene. And we'll talk a little bit uh, more and I'll open it back up to you to talk about that game. Cause I know you were the one that rewatched it, and, uh, wrote about it, but um, that team, when that Kentucky game, the early Kentucky game, first game of the season, I didn't really know much about UMass. And they came out and they just jumped on that Kentucky team that was supposed to be an all-time great team, was supposed to be the second unit, was supposed to, supposedly good enough to be ranked number two in the country behind Kentucky's first unit if they were at a different school. And being in southern Indiana where we can, like, look out our windows and see into Kentucky, all we heard all offseason was how good Kentucky was going to be and that nobody was going to beat them. And then UMass, comes out and beats them the opening game and, and handles them. I mean, they beat them by 12 points and handles them throughout that game. And then you think, like, okay, is UMass this good or is Kentucky not that good? And as it turns out, UMass was really damn good. Yeah. Uh, and and so that Kentucky team or that Kentucky team goes on to win the national championship and beat UMass in the Final Four. But UMass rolls off, like, 32 straight wins before they lose a game or something crazy like that. They lost the game late, late in the season, but – they only had two losses, one one in the regular in season and then that one. Yeah, 26 in a row. Um, and so as you watch it, and then you start paying attention to UMass. So after I watched that game with Camby and Padilla and Traviesa, Travieso and uh, Dante uh, Bright and Dana Dingle and all those guys, you start to really like those players. And so every time they were on and they were, you know, they were number one for the majority of the year after that, I just watched all of those games and I just, I loved the way that they played. And Coach Cal was like an unknown entity at that time, too. So he was just bursting on the seams with UMass, 
with no real track record, and we really didn't know who this dude was um, or what he was going to become. And then you have Camby, who's just this all-world talent. It was just a fun team to watch. So I was really, really happy and really proud to, to be able to bring that out. Um, and we couldn't have done it without the help of the people at UMass, too. Yeah, getting to watch that game was amazing. Just a look back in time. I remember seeing it at the time because we had just gotten cable, so I didn't have to watch it through the scrambled lines and, uh, and just listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was an incredible time for college basketball, and those two teams in particular just seemed so modern looking back at them. That Kentucky team full of athletes actually shot threes a lot for the time anyways. And the game, the way it went, I think there were two things that stood out too much was Calipari's coaching in that where he flipped the script on Kentucky, pressed them, and those two guards that you mentioned, Padilla and Travieso, just leading the charge along with Camby, of course. And Camby in that game was incredible. He looks like uh, Anthony Davis in that game. If he had come along... Good comparison. Yeah, if he had come along in 2012, he might have had Davis's career, right? He's just got that freakish athleticism. He can do, it seems like, everything on a basketball court. And he did it in that game with blocks, rebounds, hitting shots, dunks, whatever. Uh, Just had a blast looking back at that that game. And it's funny that you mentioned Calipari because I, I would go to the other side too and say that Patino was probably a little bit ahead of his time with the three-point shot like you'd, you'd kind of mentioned. And I remember his famous saying back then, which was like crazy for Indiana kid to hear, you know, that's in the, the Bob Knight motion offense, screen pick, five passes, get a good shot, you know, type thing. Not really based around three-point line, but he his thing was always the, the worst shot that you take in basketball the worst shot in basketball is with your toe on the line of a three-pointer you know get your ass behind that three-point line and let it fly and that was to me that's a little bit ahead of the times you know on Patino's side of things but it was interesting that Calipari kind of used his style against Patino and completely outclassed him at least in that first game oh for sure going into the game I actually watched something about the coaches and Patino talked about how well Uh, Calipari was preparing his team and even going into it he was a little bit worried about his team's preparation maybe because they had heard all that media about how their second team could beat anybody in in the NCAA and you know as you know in one game uh, things can change but to go along with what you're saying there's that spot in the first half where Kentucky comes back because they're bombing threes and they probably should have done more of that yeah, so I know that you read the book of basketball by Ben uh, Bill Simmons too. And do you remember that part that he was in there and he's interviewing Patino, and Patino said if he ever got another head coaching gig in the NBA, he would assemble a second unit that would just press. Yeah. Do you remember that part yeah. of the book at all? Like I've always that's always stuck with me for some reason um, that you would you just don't see like full court pressure in the NBA. But I would love for Patino to get another shot and, and actually follow through on that so I could see that in in live action because that would be insane to me. Yeah, I remember the Bulls could really do it in spots with Pippen and Jordan and Harper. It's hard in the NBA to do it for a whole game, but I think it would be cool to see a second team. The emphasis is so much on offense right now, but that might be the zag coming up. 
Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, you think even if you can uh, get them to take up six, seven seconds getting into the half court set or whatever, um, you know, that pairs that shot clock down. You're you're down around 15 seconds, under 15 seconds to get something going. I don't know. It, it would be kind of interesting, I think. But I guess my original point was uh, both of these guys, Patino and Calipari, um, are, are always thinking and always creating and always changing things up. And uh, I at least appreciate that from them. No doubt. So to wrap things up here, I wanted to – talk to you a little bit about what, what people are going to hear in the next episode. So tell us a little bit about what, what we got coming up on the next episode. Well, just in, in general, I think like, like I said, in the, the beginning, we're going to try to bring some guests on. We're going to try to bring some contributors to the game on. We're going to try to uh, recap some, some of the high volume shooter classic games that we pick and we write about on our blog, like we did the UMass Kentucky game today. Um, we'll talk some IU basketball cause we're both IU grads and, and love it. Um, and we'll just kind of talk shop, but we want, we kind of want to keep it as retro as possible and, and kind of talk about the, uh, the, the, the old times and the old games and, and some of that stuff and kind of bring up those memories. Cause that's what 99 is about. And that's how we connect to you guys the, the most and the best. So, um, that's kind of the things you can look forward to. I thought next episode would be fun if we could tell some old pickup stories, some old playground basketball stories. Cause I would love to. I'd love to put some of my own uh, personal stories out there and, and, and you guys can kind of get to know us. We can get to know the listener a little bit. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, that's basically what we want to do. And, and, and we'll keep getting better at it if you stick with us and, uh, and we'll go from there. Yeah, you got one about a uh, bow and arrow that I want on record. <laughs> <laughs> I don't plan on changing any of the names on that either. I'm just going to tell that story straight because it needs to be told. I love, I love now, I'll see, you know what I'll do you know what I'll do I'll, I'll see if I can get a couple guys to verify it that, that can come on too and talk about it because I know a couple of my buddies were there or came shortly after that that can verify it too because it is a little bit unbelievable yeah it, when, the first time I heard it I was like okay I'm not sure that I believe this but it's a great <laughs> story anyways <laughs> well we put it out on Twitter when we first started High Volume Shooters if you remember we put it out on Twitter to promote it. And then we had people hitting the, uh, our Twitter feed saying like, Oh no, that's a hundred percent legit. I'm <laughs> no. there. Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, so anyways, yeah, we'll, we'll get to some playground stories. We'll, we'll talk some stuff and, uh, and we'll go from there. All right, man. Well, I appreciate the time and look forward to continuing this conversation and hearing more about what 99 has coming up as well. Yes, sir. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to the 199 podcast with HVS, the high volume shooters. For more information, check out the blog at 199.com under HVS. And while you're there, do yourself a favor and pick up some retro college shorts. Till next time.